Welcome to the Get Emergent Podcast. On our Driving Leadership episodes, you'll witness conversations with leaders from all walks of life and learn about what drives them to lead. You'll hear about their leadership development, current challenges that face them and their organizations, and stories about leadership. I'm Bill Berthel, and my desire to demystify leadership and have real conversations with leaders is what drives me. Joining me today is Tim Kennedy, Regional President at Advanced Local. Tim, welcome. Thanks, Bill. Great to be here with you and great to be here with your audience. Oh, it's fabulous. And I know our listeners are in for a treat today. Tim, I love every conversation we've had together. I've just always stepped away from it feeling enriched and just enjoy talking with you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So Tim, let's just start with your leadership journey, your path. Take us on that journey together. Sure. Well, I'll try to do it in, in under a couple hours, Bill. But the, <laughs> uh, the uh, I guess the first thing, so Advanced Local is a local media, local news business. So I'm the regional president there. Most folks probably know me as the president of Advanced Media New York here in Syracuse, the post standard in Syracuse.com. Yes. Uh, so, you know, I'm in the news business, but I think my leadership journey sort of begins, of course, like everybody else back when you don't really know what you want to do. And so mm-hmm. I actually, Bill, started out as an accountant. I went to school, paid my way through school and uh, got a degree in accounting, worked for Pricewaterhouse. So, you know, I think like most people, as a matter of fact, when I interview folks, I ask them, well, do you have a five-year plan? Where do you see yourself in five years? And <laughs> you can always tell if somebody does because they immediately offer it to you. I find them, in my experience, most people don't necessarily have five or 10-year plans, and I quickly let them off the hook in, in interviews. But I was that way. I you know, paid my way through school, started with Price Waterhouse, And I think the first leadership lesson that I learned that I share with your audience is, you know, you need to lead yourself. That's maybe the first mm. thing that one needs to do. And for me, that happened at Price Waterhouse. So I was performing well. I was very social. I was a quick learner. And I had a great opportunity to work with a fellow by the name of Bob Zarzar, who was my boss. And Bob pulled me aside after a few years. And he said, Tim, you're, you're doing great. You've got great potential, but you may be the most disorganized person that I know. <laughs> and, you know, I'd always kind of chalked it up to be an Irish and happy-go-lucky, but Bob put me through Franklin Covey School, and I learned the essence of time management. It was not anything that, it wasn't a skill that I had, Bill. And I learned at that point in time, you know, you got to put that work in. You got to figure out what works for you from a time management perspective. How can you assess your priorities daily, weekly, monthly? How do you sit down and really assess where you want to go and what you want to be? And for me, that didn't happen until, you know, I was in my early 20s and working at Price Waterhouse. And it was a great lesson for me. And it's one that I do share with my young leaders and employees and, and tell them, you know, first thing you got to figure out is how do you manage your own time? And I think over time, what I've realized is, you know, time management is the first thing. But over time, I've realized that energy management is really more critical than time management. But that was my first lesson that I would share in terms of leadership was just that path as a young 20-something learning how to manage a few people and manage myself along the way. So we don't have to Um, go too deep in that rabbit hole, but you're you're speaking our language. Weekly success planning at minimum, favorite methods, favorite tools, a little advice in that space for our listeners? For me, it started with Franklin Coey, but of course, there's a lot of programs. And what I tell folks is find one that works for you. So Mm -hmm. You know, back in the day, I had the planner and, mm-hmm. and uh, coded my uh, uh, priorities, and I still carry a version of that with me to this day. Now I do it yeah. in a little book. I don't quite follow that 
code, but I think everyone's got to find what works for them and adapt it over time. And there are a lot of online tools that work. I always say start with Frank and Covey because it worked for me. No, I love it. Still, there's something incredibly powerful about pen or pencil to paper, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. So that was early on. Take us through you know, something yeah. more contemporary. So I, you know, mid-career. So for yeah. me, I went from Pricewaterhouse to I joined uh, one of my clients, the Tribune Company in Chicago. And my experience there worked in a variety of roles and strategy and finance and did deals. So worked with an elite team of folks, almost like a fighter pilot division where we would go out, we would do $100 million deals, $20 million deals, you know, billion dollar deals. We wrote strategy documents. We met with our business units. We presented to the board of directors. You know, it was a great time. But when you're working with a group like that, it's different than working with a large organization. When you're working with an elite group like that, it was a tremendous group of individuals. Everybody had each other's back. The amount of time you put into work, there was no limits to that. It was a really interesting time. But I think what I learned in that process was later. So someone mentioned to me, it was, you know, it was a little bit, as I said, like working on a fighter pilot squadron. And, you know, when you get out into the business world and you're managing lots of people through lots of people, you got to tend to, it's a little bit more like farming. You got to kind of tend to the, how your people are. It's a different way of thinking than when you're working in, so in those elite type organizations. So, you know, my mid-career was, was a lot of fun. I learned a lot, but I got a lot done through a few other people, myself, and not through an organization of tens or hundreds of other people. And that's a whole different level of leadership. Which kind of brings me to my, yeah. you know, the, the sort of mid later stages of my career, I got into the operating side of the news business. I was mm-hmm. lucky to be a young guy sent to Allentown, Pennsylvania to go run the newspaper there and found that I had a really terrific management team. We had a great property and we were able to produce some wonderful results over a period of time. But the company, this was back in 2006 and the great recession was right around the corner. The company ended up being sold to real estate developer, Sam Zell, who brought in a whole new management team. And quickly, I saw that the difference between working with a group of folks who knew the business and some other folks who came in, who didn't know the business, didn't understand the culture. They thought that the culture was really about you know wearing jeans and using salty language and really not about what motivated people to be at their best, especially a group of journalists. So it was a rough time during that period of my career. And I would say I learned a lot from the people that uh, you, you learn as much sometimes from the great bosses as you do from the not so great bosses. So highlights, what lessons were coming from that time of your career? Well, I think a couple. So, you know, one, I watched people that I worked with who had sort of been one thing and then changed over time. And I realized, mm-hmm. look, you know, you kind of got to be consistent. You got to walk you know, you got to walk the talk. And again, I think there's a lot of people that will tell you what they think culture is, but culture at the end of the day is really how organizations and people treat each other, how they make decisions, how they link arms and kind of drive toward a common goal. It's not what somebody tells you the culture is from, mm-hmm. you know, the ivory tower. So it was, you know, it was a tough time because at the end of that period of time, I actually ended up being fired from my job. Mm-hmm. I think I thought that if I would just keep my head down and produce results, that the results would speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, they didn't. 
I think I'm a better leader today for it. And I learned a lot from that experience. And mostly I learned it really matters who you work with and who you work for and whether they share the same values that you do. Because when they don't, even if you perform well, it's probably not going to last. Absolutely. I know a few of the players on your current team, and I've gotten to meet um, a large part of your leadership team. How do you put together such an amazing group of folks? What's your secret sauce? What's your, what's your secret there? Well, I think what I've learned over time is when I was a younger leader, I, I always thought I needed to know everything mm. and I needed to manage the details of how we made decisions and what everybody did. And I think over time, what I've learned is you really got to get the right people. You got to believe in them and, and you got to trust them and you got to know and you got to hope that they know what their shortcomings are and you want to see them develop as individuals, as, as human beings, and you want to see them mature. So I think the key is, you know, can you find those people? Can you then develop them, have them understand what's important to them and how they succeed without having to manage all the details? You, you read this and your podcast series is terrific at this. And Stan Lindhorst, who writes that uh, column in the Post Standard every Sunday, mm-hmm, highlights mm-hmm. great leaders who talk about communication and setting the tone and how important that is. And then making sure that you can get everybody on that same page. And I think, you know, that's, that's what I try to do is we try to communicate. We try to be transparent with where we are, especially yeah. in our business, and then find leaders who can work together toward those objectives. Well, I know Stan, you and I agree on authentic leadership. So tell me about your authentic leadership. What are you working on developing now, Tim? I think authenticity is really interesting. I think that you, know, you got to know your own your own flaws. I, I, right. I say, I think especially for young leaders, this goes back again to my experiences, you can't know everything and business moves pretty fast, right? So you can't always prepare. And so if you can't always prepare and you can't know everything, then at some level, the only thing you can be is authentic, right? <laughs> and so, you know, I think authenticity and organizations and people and managers, you know, they see through the things that are inauthentic. And again, going back to my earlier experiences, people who say one thing and do another, Um, people who think that they've got the recipe for success and it's one, two, three, four, you know, life is more complicated and business is more complicated. And so, you know, in in many ways, authenticity is the key. If you're authentic, you're clear on where your failings are, you, you try to answer every question that's put to you as a leader from anywhere in an honest way, you'll gain the respect of your organization's and that's the only way you can move forward, frankly. So this recording is early, early in the year and should be published really early in the year. So I'd love to ask early in the year, what are you uh, aspiring for? What are you looking to achieve in this new year? Well, in our business, in the news business, we're looking to always achieve the search for the business model, right? We are in, a, mm. in the local news business, which for the better part of 30 years is trying to do a couple things. One you know, satisfy our our existing readers and customers and find new readers and customers largely in the digital space. And we get closer and closer every year. So in that sense, it's a continuation of the journey that we've been on. And those in this business have been on for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. And then I think, you know, novel for 2022 is where we are as a society, both with COVID and hybrid work and the, mm-hmm. and the challenges that those are going to bring hybrid work specifically mm-hmm. to the future. 
But also, I, I think we're sort of at this generational pivot point where the great resignation and the hunt for great talent is only going to accelerate. So, and that puts great challenges on all businesses. Everybody's looking to hire. Every organization has employees that are reaching the point in time where they're ready to retire and we need new leaders to step in. We need new folks at every level of the organization. And I've never seen it in my career where so many industries and so many businesses are looking for so much talent at one time. And I think it is a generational change. It is brought on by, again, by the retirements of the great resignation and whatnot, mm -hmm. but also the fact that employees can work anywhere. So they're no longer just looking for jobs regionally, especially knowledge workers can work anywhere. And so the competition for talent is only going to accelerate. So, you know, those trends on top of us, you know, making great success and strides toward finding our new business model are top of mind right now. I love how you frame it as a pivot opportunity. That's really meaningful. Our listeners really appreciate the advice of our guests, of our leader guests on this podcast. What would you want to share from your perspective? I mean, maybe you have three pieces of advice. I got all kinds of pieces. <laughs> of, you know, of well, it, I don't. I don't want to limit you to three. Yeah. Maybe that. Maybe that helps us focus. I don't know. Well, <laughs> the uh, one of your guests that you had on recently said that I think their first piece of advice was be skeptical of all advice that <laughs> that uh, one one gets. I don't remember who said that. That may be wise. Mm -hmm. Look, I, I think you hit on it. I think authenticity is the thing that mm -hmm. is most important from a leadership perspective because it drives one toward understanding what they're good at, what they're not good at, and hopefully that you have people around you as a leader who are comfortable pointing out your shortcomings mm -hmm. and helping complement you. If you're looking to put together a leadership team, you need to make sure that you have that on your team, that, that people complement each other and on our not afraid to point out where those shortcomings are. And that makes everybody better. Yes. Um, you know, I think that's it. And I think, you know, as I said earlier, managing oneself be that time, but more importantly, in today's space, managing your energy is uh, mm. critical. You think about everybody who's either working from home or in a hybrid work situation, that means there's a different cadence to your day. You know, yes, if you have yes. kids coming home from school at two or three o'clock, you got to spend some time with them. You never had to do that before until you got home from work let alone the challenges of sort of 24 seven communications and, and always on Absolutely. calls and text messages and all the different ways that we can communicate. So knowing how to shut that down, knowing yes. how to ignore email, knowing the best ways to communicate what's most important and being clear about that is I think he's the successful leadership going forward. Well, I appreciate that. And I need to hear that. I violated my one aspiration I have for this year, no back-to-back -back meetings as a way to manage my energy. And I'm going to confess, I know you're not a priest, at least I don't think you are. I'm going to confess nope. to you today that uh, I violated that for the first time this year today. <laughs> but you're right. It's that healthy boundary management and in, in managing our energy. And tomorrow's another day. So there's redemption. Yeah. <laughs> redemption is only one day away, Bill. I knew why I wanted to confess to you. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> thank you. And really, thank you for uh, saying yes to this. I, I know we're only going to uh, enrich our listeners' lives with today's recording. Tim, thank you. You're welcome, Bill. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, appreciate it. And listen for more episodes of Driving Leadership right here on the Get Emergent Podcast, where we'll continue the conversations with a new leader every month. 
and come back for more leadership content with Cindy Massengill and Ralph Simone, where they discuss real leadership challenges in a practical and relatable format. Thank you.